You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at high-scoring Jed wins over the Leafs and Devils, plus Neil Pionk's suspension and Blake Wheeler's 1,000th game. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Hope you guys had an awesome weekend and why wouldn't you after one of the all-time great sports Sundays in Winnipeg history? Seriously, the Bombers turned it over literally a thousand times but still beat the rival riders to get to the Great Cup. The Jets stomp all over the Leafs. I mean, if the Winnipeg Cyclones would have announced a comeback, it would have been the perfect day. But thankfully, the Winnipeg Jets went a uh, slightly more conventional route than the Blue Bombers did on route to victory. Because I don't know, after that Bomber game, I don't know how much more I could have taken <laughs> if the Jets would have given up like seven goals or something and tried to win eight or nine seven. But still plenty to talk about, still a ton of goals as well after Winnipeg's 6-3 win over the Maple Leafs on a Sunday. So let's get into it right here. And a great start to the game because the power play is humming, right? The power play just might have turned the corner a little bit here. I had been trying to be a little bit more positive about the power play. And it looks like, you know what? Things might have been solved pretty quickly here. The first of three power play goals of the night for the Jets to kickstart the scoring and Blake Wheeler in his 1,000th game sets up the opener on a great play by Pierre-Luc Dubois. And that was the interesting thing with the three power play goals for the Jets. You know, one in each period and each one of those scored in a different way. Kind of the, the three ways you want to try and score the power play. The first one, you know, a great job winning the puck battle along the boards. Mark Shifley getting the puck out to Blake Wheeler in his office, maybe a little bit above the office, but in and around there. And then the great pass net front for Pierre-Luc Dubois, who makes a great move on Wool and gets the opening goal that way. The second power play goal, kind of your more conventional route, Kyle Connor for the one-timer, right? Find your most dangerous scorer and put him in a position to put the puck in the net. And that's what he did there. On, on top of it, too, a pass from behind the net as well, which I'm always a fan of on the power play. Really, really difficult for a goalie to get out and, you know, challenge and cut down the angles on plays like that. So, you know, maybe not the traditional pass the puck over one-timer Kyle Connor goal, but anytime you can get 
Number 81, a chance like that to put the puck on his stick quickly and get it towards the net. You know, good things are more than likely going to happen there. So a great job on that second power play goal, giving it to your most dangerous player. And then the third one, you know, you score on the rush. It's a, it's a great play on the entry. And we know the Jets have had problems on the entry in the past. But a great job there in the neutral zone to hit Mark Shifley with speed. You know, pretty bad Leafs defense, which we'll, we'll get to in just a bit. But a great job there by the Jets to attack the weakness, get Shifley with speed, the puck right in the middle of the ice, and he makes a great move there for the third and final power play goal on the night. So, I mean, that right there is how the Jets can have a ton of success with the power play moving forward. And it's real simple in concept, but difficult in execution. But I thought the Winnipeg Jets did a really good job in that game against the Leafs in just putting their best players in positions to succeed. Get Blake Wheeler the puck along the half wall. Pierre-Luc Dubois, a beast down in front of the net. I mean, right there's the first goal. You have Kyle Connor just getting the puck in pretty much any situation. And then Mark Shafley's kind of almost like a rover, if you will. As long as he's got the puck somewhere in the offensive zone, he's going to do some damage with it. So great job on the man advantage, taking advantage of those opportunities, and then continuing to force the issue against Toronto, especially once the second period got underway. And this, to me, was the most... Surprising development of the whole game is that the Winnipeg Jets, it seemed like every single shift they were going out there, they were getting an odd man rush going the other way. I mean, there had to have been at least five two-on-ones in the second period. You had a breakaway, then some three-on-twos thrown in there as well. The, the Leafs were just porous defensively. I know they had, it was the second end of a back-to-back -back played Minnesota the night before, but ugh, it was just, it was kind of jaw-dropping to see how many chances they were giving the Winnipeg Jets in the middle frame. And credit to the Jets for taking advantage of it. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Winnipeg. It was just more so, oh man, is, is Toronto going to give their young goaltender a, a bit of a shot? A, a bit of cushion, right? Just, just some help to work with there? Because the Jets had just, you know, shift after shift. It was odd man rush after odd man rush. High danger chance after another and another. And there really was no answer from the Maple Leafs throughout that, I, I guess it was a four or five minute binge that the Jets went on there, right? You had the great Andrew Cobb individual effort. That's followed by Evgeny Svechnikov, who again continues to impress. And I'll tell you what, too, you know, seeing that fourth line in action with Harkins and Toninato and Svechnikov, you know, I would love to see 71 get a chance further up the lineup, but that's a pretty damn good fourth line. And... For all the haters, which, you know, I might throw myself into the ring here, talking about the fourth line of Winnipeg Jets team's past, you know, it's a young, energetic, exciting line that, you know, they're good defensively, but they've got a ton of skill, right? Like, you've got Harkins, a point-of-game player in the AHL, Sveshnikov, a former first-round pick, and, and Toninato's been a, a pretty damn good pickup. Since he's come over from Florida, going back to last season, like there's, that's a pretty sneaky good fourth line the Winnipeg Jets have, have found themselves right now. And you know what, if, if they falter at all, you know, a Veselainen, maybe even a, a Stasny, right? Like you can mix and match pieces inside that bottom six and you're feeling pretty comfortable with the mix that you've got right now if you're the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, so comfortable, they put Riley Nash on waivers. So, I mean, a great job again on that third goal of the night for the Jets. A great pass, and I love plays like that. When you come in on a two-on-one, and you make the pass right at the blue line. You don't really give the defenseman a chance to, to set himself 
and get his angle set, right? You, you, you attack a little bit early. It's a difficult play for both him and the goaltender there. But a great pass, and then just an absolute beauty of a finish by Svechnikov on that goal. So the Jets, again, capitalizing on these chances. And then you have another three-on-two rush for the fifth goal of the game for the Winnipeg Jets. A great passing play back and forth. Cop to Ehlers. And another goal for Nikolai Ehlers, who, just like Mark Scheifele, seems to have found his scoring touch at the perfect time for the Winnipeg Jets. So an absolute blitzkrieg in that second period by Winnipeg. And from that point on, it looked like it was going to be smooth sailing. Or maybe you didn't think that after the way the Devils game transpired, right? But, you know, it looked like the Winnipeg Jets were going to cruise to victory, especially with Toronto coming off the second end of a back-to-back. But then you get the two quick goals by the Maple Leafs to end the second period. And then the number two show happened in the third period. We'll get to the suspensions, the hits, who was dirty, who was not dirty. Why is the refereeing so god-awful in this league? We'll get to all that in just a second. But before we do that, let's give a shout-out to our friends over at DraftKings, one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL. And like we've been saying for the past couple of shows, an absolute no-brainer deal your way from DraftKings Sportsbook, where you bet just $1 on any team to score in any NFL game you win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. It's that easy. Plus, if Sportsbook is not available in your state or province just yet, you can still get in on all the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB when it comes back, all the sports action with their daily fantasy sports contests that are free to play. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so we'll start off with the Neil Pionk play first. Given a two-game suspension by the NHL for Neen Rasmus Sandin in the third period there. And to me, it was it was pretty cut and dry. I, I mean, I it was pretty obvious watching it live, and, and the replays just kind of reaffirmed that. I mean, Neil Pionk stuck his leg out and, and clipped Sandin in the knee. It was kind of a textbook definition of a Neen penalty. Blown away that the refs missed that one live watching it. Um, but I, I think the NHL got it right in the suspension afterwards. I, I didn't think it was malicious by Neil Pionk or anything like that. But as a defender in those situations, you got to be control of your body. You know, the onus is on you to deliver a clean hit. And Neil Pionk stuck the leg out. Clip Sandine, who's going to miss some time here. And I, I think it's a, it's a fair penalty. Tough loss for the Jets, especially, you know, Pionk has a multi-point night against the Leafs. I mean, they're going to miss him on the power play, even strength. We'll get into how they can replace him coming up in these uh, next two games against Carolina and Seattle. But a tough loss, but I think a fair call by the NHL to give Neil Pionk two games. Now, interestingly, Neil Pionk got the phone hearing, but Jason Spezza was offered an in-person hearing for his run at Neil Pionk while he was down on the ice in a vulnerable position, makes contact with the head. That means Jason Spezza can be suspended 
for more than five games. Doesn't mean that he will be, but that he's now eligible to be suspended for a very, very long time. Again, and this was even more so maybe than the Pionk knee. How on earth do the referees not call something on the ice when that happens, right? Like, it's just insane. And that game was poorly officiated on both sides. And the referee has not been good in the NHL this entire season. But, I mean, come on now. You miss a knee, and then you miss a guy retaliating to that penalty by charging at a guy's head when he's on the ice. And your reaction and all that is not to call anything. It's it's just ridiculous how bad the refereeing has gotten. And, and the NHL just seems to be okay with it, right? Like, they, there doesn't seem to be this impetus for change. And it's kind of why, you know, there's a part of me that doesn't necessarily harp on the referees and all this. It's the NHL's fault because if the league wanted to change, they would make a change, right? They wanted cross-checking to come down. They put a crackdown on it. It's not there as much anymore. If the NHL wanted their officials to be better... They would put things into place to make sure stuff like Sunday night in the third period doesn't happen. Instead, you have a couple of guys that, you know, one that did get injured, another that could have very seriously been injured. I mean, Neil Pionk was very fortunate to get out of that situation with, you know, no damage done, right? I mean, we saw what happened in the playoffs last year with Toronto when Tavares took a knee to the head and and missed a ton of time, although that was completely, you know, unintentional. A knee or a leg to the head at that speed can cause a ton of damage. Just a super, super dangerous play. So I, again, just like with Neil Pionk's two-game suspension, I was surprised to see it might be that harsh, but I would have no problem if Jason Spezza gets five or six games for taking an unneeded run at a guy's head while he's on the ice in a vulnerable position. So we'll see what the NHL does there. They haven't come down with the ruling just yet, but... Oh, I just, I hate plays like that, right? It's so, so unnecessary. And really, the Jets are fortunate that that Neil Pionk was able to skate away after that hit. So we'll see what Jason Spezza gets. Neil Pionk, though, will miss the upcoming two games, like I said, against Carolina and Seattle. And then from that point on, I mean, the fireworks weren't really done, right? You had Wade Simmons running around all over the ice trying to fight anybody that got within, you know, five feet of him. Kyle Clifford and and Dylan dropped the gloves at a pretty big heavyweight tilt. And then the game ends on the ultimate high note. I'm so excited we can finally get to this. But, I mean, it, it wasn't really a scrap, kind of a scrap sort of a thing. But Simmons at the end of the game... You know, takes a run at a few players. Then Logan Stanley decides, you know what, enough's enough. I got to come in here. The linesmen break it up. But all that really matters in this situation is that Big Stan continues his trend as a fan favorite and does the, the he, I guess it's the touchdown salute, right? The helmet, the bucket's off. It's in one of his hands. And he, he just wants the crowd to get jacked up. That, that was... It was so damn funny watching it live. And then what was, you know, even better than Logan Stanley's reaction to that, trying to get the crowd pumped up, is, and if you can rewind it or if you can find the replay of it, check out Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor and a few other faces on the Jets bench as Logan Stanley comes off the, like, they're they're jacked up. But just the laughter and the joy on their faces is just unreal. And then if you saw the video that I think the Winnipeg Jets posted, you know, after the game, Mark Shifley, they're giving out the the game helmet or whatever they do. Talking about how awesome it is to beat the Leafs. But the whole team then does the Logan Stanley touchdown silly right after that. That Oh, it was just so awesome to watch. And it's just, so, you know, it's a little thing. But 
anytime you can kind of build some, you know, team camaraderie and, and get the spirit going and things like that, you know, little things like that kind of build up over the course of a season. The team gets a little tighter. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of a believer in stuff like that being good for a club. And I, I just loved it. It was kind of the perfect cherry on top for the night. And, and, and big stands of the man. Give me more Logan Stanley. I, I just, the guy's a ton of fun. It seems like the team loves him. The fans definitely love him. And that was just a really, really, really fun, lighthearted moment to end the game there. Uh, but that does it for the recap against Toronto. I mean, fortunately for the Jets, honestly, they get the two wins against the Devils and the Leafs because the Central Division is is turning into a bloodbath once again. It's, it's kind of like it was a few seasons ago. You know, if the Jets don't win either of those two games, they'd be looking at a pretty damn big hole to get back into a playoff spot. But as it stands right now, 12-8-4, good for 28 points. That puts them in a tie for second along with Colorado, Dallas, and St. Louis. And then Nashville is one point behind them in sixth in the division. So, I mean, one point separates second and sixth right now. And even over in the Pacific, 28 points is the cutoff line right now. But there's six teams at 28 points. And and one of those is the Vegas Golden Knights, by the way. So that that's that's always fun when you have a team like Vegas as as one that could possibly grab a wild card spot as well. So it seems like a mandatory four points the Winnipeg Jets were able to pick up there. You gotta keep it going. You can't have too much of a drop-off here. Now, the fortunate thing though for the Jets is the schedule does kind of ease up a little bit over these next we'll say four games, because the first one, you know, is a bit of a challenge, but the three after that. There's the possibility for the Jets to uh, bank some points and make that speed bump back in November, a thing of the past. But after this game against Carolina, the Jets have matchups against Seattle, Vancouver, and Buffalo. I mean, right there, three teams all at the bottom of the NHL standings. You know, you sneak out two points against a really, really good, feisty Carolina team. Jets might be looking at a six-game win streak by the time December 17th rolls around. And then you got games against Washington, St. Louis, Nashville, Dallas, and Minnesota. My God. So that's why this stretch here of four games is so, so important for the Jets. And why the upcoming one against Carolina on Tuesday holds a bit of extra value. Because again, you beat the Hurricanes, all of a sudden, six straight W's is, is a pretty likely scenario there. So a big opportunity for the Jets here before the schedule really starts to get a little bit scary before the new year comes around. Let's take a look before we wrap up the episode here at that game against the Carolina Hurricanes Tuesday night. Carolina got off to that white hot start to begin the season, but they've kind of cooled off a little bit in their last 10 games or so. Only 5-4-1. That comes after an 11 2-0 start, so maybe Carolina coming back to earth a little bit. They're dealing with some injuries right now, especially on the blue line. Both Brett Pesci and Tony D'Angelo out for Carolina. D'Angelo was really, really good for the Hurricanes in his first few games there, but dealing with COVID, so we don't know what the status is for both of those defensemen. But Carolina, you know, they're, they're kind of what they've been for the past few seasons. An extremely well-coached team by Rod Brendamore. They come at you in waves, and they shoot the puck from damn near anywhere inside the offensive zone. I mean, Carolina is not going to lose the shot clock battle pretty much any night. I mean, you, you just go into the game knowing that against the Hurricanes, but you have to try and limit the damage. You have to be quick 
getting out of the defensive zone when you have your opportunities. And then once you get inside the offensive zone, you know it's it's going to be tough. Carolina makes you work for it. But if you can move them cross-ice, if you can find some of those seam passes, you know, maybe the Hurricanes might be a little vulnerable defensively, especially with those injuries on the back end. And then in that, Freddie Anderson's been pretty damn good all season for Carolina. He's had a tremendous start to the year for them. Uh, Antti Ranta, a little bit less so, but I imagine that the Jets see Freddie Anderson in the net on Tuesday night. You know, they've had some success against Freddie back when he was wearing the uh, the blue and white in Toronto, so maybe they can uh, transfer that over to the big game against the Hurricanes. But no doubt that, as of right now, Freddie Anderson, surprisingly, is in the early running for a potential Vesna nomination. So Carolina is just a, a really, really difficult team to go up against. You know, maybe I'm saying that from the perspective of a Flyers fan who has watched Carolina, you know, demolish his favorite team time and time again. But the Hurricanes are, no doubt about it, a team to be feared. They're going to provide a much, much stiffer test than the Maple Leafs did on Sunday night, that's for sure. So again, just a really big opportunity here. If you lose this one, it's not the end of the world for the Jets because you have those three games afterward that are very winnable. But if you can find a way to grab two points against Carolina, well, then things get really interesting. And then the Jets can maybe close that gap that we see right now with Minnesota at the top of the division and and soon to be, let's face it, soon to be the Colorado Avalanche now that they're healthy and starting to pick up steam there. But that's going to do it for us on this episode. We're back. Well, I don't know when we're going to be back, actually. (laughs) Um, I have, uh, with my new job, with the company that I work at, we have a uh, company meeting, a trip that we're going on this week. So I'm going to try to get out an episode for you guys on Friday. If not, though, we'll be back at it on Tuesday like we always are. So just stay tuned there. I'll do my best. But, you know, being on the road, it's going to be a little bit difficult for me. Either way, though, we'll break down whatever recent action the the Winnipeg Jets are in. Like I mentioned, this upcoming week, you have games against Carolina, Seattle, the new-look Vancouver Canucks, and then the Buffalo Sabres after that. We'll see where the Jets are in the Central Division standings after all those games take place. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. We'll talk soon, everybody. Peace.